Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you'll hear an uplifting message from our pastor, Robert Madu. Our hope is that your relationship with God would flourish like never before. Are you ready for the Word of God? If you could just remain standing, I'm not going to have you stand long. I do want to share something from the scriptures today. and I just want to say I'm so glad that you're here. As a matter of fact, if it's your first time here again, could you just give me a wave your first time here at Social? I'm so glad you're here. You know what annoys me? You know how sometimes preachers, especially on Easter, are like, mm, where the rest of y'all the rest of the Sundays of the year? Yeah, don't you hate those people? It's like the day you show up, you're like, oh, look who decided to show up today. You're like, this is why I don't come. <laughs> I'm not one of those preachers. I'm just glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're here today. You made it. And uh, it's an honor to have you. I want to jump straight into the Word of God. I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to illuminate for our understanding verses 7 and 8. And I'll be reading from Eugene Peterson's message translation. And then we're going to go to chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. If you ain't never been in church or you ain't got a Bible, we got you. It's going to be on the screen. And if you're too far and you can't see it on the screen, ask the person next to you if you can look at their Bible or look at their iPhone. If they won't let you, change your seat. (laughs) Y'all be hateful to say, no, this is my word. So just change your seat if they won't let you. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. And this is the Apostle Paul, the artist formerly known as Saul, talking. Can I switch mics? Will that work? Look at that right there. Can y'all hear me? Yes. He says, God's wisdom is something mysterious that goes deep into the interior of his purposes. You don't find it lying around on the surface. It's not the latest message, but more like the oldest. What God determined as the way to bring out his best in us long before we ever arrived on the scene. The experts of our day haven't a clue about what his eternal plan is. If they had, they wouldn't have killed the master of the God-designed life on a cross. That's why we have this scripture text. No one's ever seen or heard anything like this. Never so much as imagined anything quite like it. What God has arranged for those who love him. Y'all, that is good stuff right there. I don't do drugs, I do scripture. That is so good. And let's just go to 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 16. And Paul continues to write and says, And if there is no resurrection of the dead then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. In other words, if Jesus didn't get up from the grave, we may as well just go to brunch right now. He says, your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But... In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Can you say amen? 
I just want to put a title to this text that's really our theme for today and just simply call this message Orchestrated. Orchestrated. Would you look at your neighbor just one last time? I know it's awkward, but indulge me. And just say, neighbor, it's been orchestrated. Come on, find another neighbor. Find another neighbor. Say, other neighbor, you're my second option. But I still got to tell you, it's been orchestrated. If you got expectation and anticipation, God's going to speak to you. Would you give us some praise in here? Ooh, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Orchestrated. No earlier I took time to pause and to acknowledge those of you who say this is your first time being with us at Social Dallas. However, I'm actually curious about another group of people, and I'm wondering if your face is in the place. Is there anybody in here, this isn't just your first time at Social Dallas, this is your first time in church on an Easter Sunday. Anybody that's you, your first time in church on an Easter Sunday? Can I see your hand? Come on. Unbelievable. First time ever in church on a Sunday. Wow. Right here, this, this is a horrible preacher etiquette. I shouldn't even do it, but can I put you on the spot? What, your, your name right here with the cardigan. What's your name? Lauren. Lauren's first time in church ever on a Sunday. Yo, that's amazing. That's a leap of faith. Y'all don't know what your faces look like. I can see y'all from up here. It's scary sometimes to walk in church for the first time ever. However, it is a gift to experience something for the first time. I, I'm not with Lauren. I can't say that I've never been in church on an Easter Sunday. I don't have that experience. I'm low-key jealous of you. I have always been in church on Easter Sunday. Every, I've never missed an Easter Sunday. I got perfect attendance on Easter Sunday. And it ain't my choice. I just grew up in one of those households where going to church was not optional. Oh yeah, you had to be there every day. And especially on Easter Sunday, you had to be there in bright pastels. It was not optional. In our house, it was not a democracy. It was a dictatorship. I was raised by a Nigerian father and an American mom. That's why I'm African-American. And I never forget, one day I got gangsta. I said, I ain't going this Sunday. I don't feel like it. Ooh, y'all know my testimony. You know what that Nigerian man sitting over there said to me? He said, let me tell you something, okay? Let me tell you something. You have two options, huh? You can get out of that bed and go to church, or I can kill you. And we will go to church and have your funeral. But either way, you will be in church. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. <laughs> that is a true story. So I, uh, I've never missed a Sunday. Never missed an Easter Sunday. Y'all, I didn't miss Easter Sunday in 2020. Remember that? Remember when the world was shut down? I was still in church on Easter Sunday in an empty sanctuary preaching. I will never forget that. I was preaching my heart out. Say, how many of you know he rose from the grave? Somebody give him some praise. And it was silence. <laughs> Had to trust y'all was shouting at home. I never missed a Sunday. And to be honest, because I have never missed a Sunday, because I've always been in church on Easter, I have the challenge that perhaps some other people have, and that is 
to not let the familiarity with the Easter story rob me of its potency. I mean, no, familiarity is so dangerous. When you get so familiar with something, you'll begin to depreciate something. They say familiarity breeds contempt, but I say familiarity is actually a thing that assassinates appreciation and admiration. If you ever want to depreciate something, just get familiar with it. And I'm wondering today on this Easter Sunday, if we have lost the value of the story because we've gotten so familiar with it. We've gotten so familiar with the fact that the creator of the universe came from heaven. He left the lofty pinnacle of heaven, came to earth and put on human skin. Can you imagine a God that created us became just like us to feel what we feel and go through what we go through and died a criminal's death and yet got up from the grave? I wonder if our familiarity with the story has robbed us of its potency. I wonder if we're like my three little humans that when I start telling my story at nighttime, they're like, oh, Daddy, we've heard this one. Got any new stories? Familiarity can be a dangerous thing because it can rob you of the potency of the story. Oh, but to experience something for the first time. Ooh, to be Lord. To come to church for the first time. To experience something for the first time is powerful. Matter of fact, this is our third Easter to celebrate as a church. Believe it or not, the church you're sitting in is two years old. But I'll never forget the first time. I remember our first Easter as a church. I remember it vividly because that's when we launched. 2021. We were announcing. I was nervous. We were at the Hi-Fi, now the Echo Lounge, and my knees were knocking. Y'all didn't know I was scared to death. I was like, we officially a church. And we always theme our Easter services and our Easter season. And that year we called it Now Open now open and because we had just gone through a pandemic and things were starting to open back up we began to discuss the reality that sin is the greatest pandemic and it shut things down but because the tomb is open it now opens up things to us that were closed and last year we called it above all and we considered the supremacy and the sufficiency of who Jesus is that he truly reigns above all he has no rival he has no equal he is omnipotent and all power is in his hand as a matter of fact you can't appreciate the heights to which he's ascended until you really appreciate how low he had to go to get us out of the sin we were in we called it above all. But this year, ooh, we decided to theme it orchestrated. <clears throat> this year, we decided to theme it orchestrated. Oh, y'all gonna act like that's just regular, like we just regular to have an orchestra back there? Come on! Have you ever been to an orchestra before? You just did for free. Did nobody even charge you? Free orchestra. I'm gonna be honest with you, I love the orchestra. 
It is something powerful to watch an orchestra tell a story through music. If you've ever been to an orchestra and a good one, I'm telling you, it is love at first sound. The emotions, the musical journey, the melody, the symphony, the synergy, it is absolutely powerful. And I love this theme orchestrated. Matter of fact, I love this orchestra because although I'm supposed to be preaching this Easter Sunday, you need to know this orchestra is preaching. Oh, they are preaching. Shakespeare said that there are sermons in stones. In other words, there are sermons all around you. And I want to let you know that this orchestra, although they are sitting, they are preaching to us today. First of all, just by definition, an orchestra is a group of musicians playing instruments together. A group of musicians playing instruments together. So what the orchestra is really letting us know that none of us are bigger than the whole. That all of us, although we have a part to play, your part is not bigger than the entire orchestra. How many of you know, if you're ever going to be who God has called and created you to be, you have to know what part you play in a larger story and that life is not just about you. But it is about the people connected to you. I came to tell somebody who thinks I can do what I want. I can live my life. Let me do me. You do you. You can do you. But know that you doing you is affecting somebody else because all of us play a part in a larger orchestra. And so many of us are so focused on our solo, we don't realize we're just a part of a bigger picture. Ooh, can I say this to you on Easter Sunday? How many of you know life is not about you? I know, I know. That jacks some of y'all up in this narcissistic, individualistic, selfie-saturated, ego-driven, blue-check-buying society in which we live in. Everybody thinks it's about you, but I got a newsflash. Woo! Life is not about you, but it is about the part that you play in a bigger picture. Ooh, the orchestra would preach. Y'all didn't know y'all was going to preach today, did you? Not only that, we must consider that although these talented musicians are sitting on a stage, if we were really at an orchestra, they would not be playing on the stage. They would actually be playing right here in the pit. If you're gonna be in the orchestra, you can't just play on the stage. The question is, can you play in a pit? I know you don't want to say anything to me because your life is perfect and you always in the palace and you in paradise and you go on palatial vacations. But I'm wondering if there's anybody in here that knows what it's like to be in a pit, to be in a low place. Somebody knows who I'm talking about. Have you ever had life throw you in a pit and yet you still had to play and yet you still had to smile and your coworkers and your family don't even know the hell that you're going through, don't even know the mental battle it took just for you to wake up in the morning. Somebody knows what it's like to have to still get ready and put on your tuxedo and bow tie and still play in a pit. And yes, I'm playing the violin, but you don't see the tears that are coming down my face. Oh, but I still got to play in the pit. Oh, I don't know who's in a pit right now, but God told me to tell you on Resurrection Sunday, don't stop playing. Don't stop praising just because you're in the pit. If you got to be on a stage to Can we just take a praise break? Those of you who ain't in a pit, you can be quiet. 
it, but somebody that knows what it's like to go through something, give them your best praise. In a pit. In a pit. I know it don't make sense, but the pit has better acoustics. Oh, I know you look crazy, but it's something about praising in a pit. Anybody can praise when you just got married. Can you praise when you just got the divorce? Anybody can praise when their kids have straight A's. But can you praise when your kids are addicted to drugs? When you get the bad doctor's report, that's when God wants to know, can you still trust me in a pit? It's in the pit that your focus must be honed in on the conductor. The enemy will always attack your focus in the pit. He wants to break your focus so you won't look at the conductor. Oh, we had the Winsper Opera House. Illustrations are coming to me while I'm talking to you. I remember my sister used to do dance. You know dance, they do that little. You know that little. See how I called them like that? What you call that thing, girl? What you call that thing? Puree, puree. Yogurt, whatever it is. Parfait. Remember that? You know the, you know the parfait? Puree. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And they spin like that. And everything's spinning. I'm like, how do you not get dizzy? How do you do that? She said, it's easy. That while you're spinning, you got to have a focal point. That when life is spinning, you got to keep your eyes fixed on something that won't move. While life is spinning, if you can keep your eyes on the thing that is stationary, you can handle the spin. Who am I preaching to today? That's why I have to give God praise. He's the only one that's consistent. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So even when life is spinning, if I can just find the thing that's stationary, I can handle the spin. So when you're in a pit, when you're in a pit, you gotta keep your eyes on the conductor. Here's the conductor, he's been here the whole time. I'm be honest, if I'm picking a part in the orchestra, I wanna be the conductor. Oh yeah, matter of fact, my room in the back, they set it up, they didn't know I was preaching. They put me in the conductor's room. If I could pick it, I'd be the conductor. I, I, I learned there's a difference between a composer and a conductor. See, see, a composer is the one that is obsessed with creation. They create the music. But the conductor is the one that is obsessed with performance. So the composer creates and the conductor performs. Now the composer doesn't have to be the conductor. You can have a conductor that's not a composer. You can have a composer that's not a conductor. But you know you're really bad when you are a composer and a conductor. Uh, I just want to pause and thank God that he's got the power to be a composer and a conductor. Maybe that's why John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that has been made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. He's the one that was in the beginning. Matter of fact, He was before the beginning. He is the great composer. He created something out of nothing. He can compose. But because composing was not enough, 
and we were trapped in our sins and we needed more than the law. He left the lofty pinnacle of heaven and came down through 42 generations and said, I can't just compose. They need a conductor. They need somebody in flesh that can get them out of sin. So let me be the conductor. If I, if I could pick any part, who I'd be the conductor. Because the conductor is the one that gets to do, who? The con conductor gets to do things like this. Watch this. Give him a little something. Come on, y'all. Three orchestra. Three. But I'm not impressed. Because many of you do not know that I studied conducting at the prestigious University of YouTube. And I, no, I'm serious. I watched a lot of videos in preparation for this sermon. Preparation looks different every week. And I learned about legato and staccato. And I learned that it is the conductor's job to keep the tempo and the pace. And so y'all thought that was good. Psh, watch this. Let me show y'all something real quick. Yeah, move. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Let me make it do what it do. You got to put some sauce on it. Y'all ready? Just like we rehearsed it. Here we go. Get it together now. You know what? You know what? Never mind. Never mind. We're going to work on it some more. Lower the curtain. Hold up. <laughs> I got to watch some more YouTube videos. The method to my madness. It's funny that absolutely nothing really changed. Same musicians, same seats, same skill, same instruments, but a difference in sound because the conductor changed. The conductor sets the pace, the tone, the timing of everything. Critical question on this Resurrection Sunday. Who is conducting your life? Because that makes all the difference in the decibel of your life. It's who's conducting? What? is driving your life. All of us have a conductor. Conductors are not optional. You have one. Is it your career? Is that what is conducting your life? No wonder you're so stressed out. <laughs> your career is it? No wonder your job gets the best of you and your family gets the rest of you. Because you're trying to get your paper. So no matter how you feel on the job, you show up ready and prepared, but then you come in to the family and the wife and the kids that you have gotten familiar with, and you treat them casual, but you give your coworkers the best because you're trying to get that new BMW, ain't you? What? What's conducting your life? Is it your kids? Good luck. Isn't that crazy? 
to be led by them? Ah, I tell my wife all the time, when I come home, I kiss her first and let all three of them know who are in here. I love all y'all, but I was with her before you. When y'all leave, we got to get back to what brought y'all up in here. In retirement, what, what's, what's conduct your emotions? Is that, oh, good luck with that. <laughs> you ever meet those people? What song we gonna get today? We don't know. It's being led by your emotions. All of us are being led and conducted by something. And yet God, the only one who is the composer and the conductor, is saying, would you let me lead your life? Some of you don't even realize even the mistakes that you made, the conductor is so good that he can take that dumb, idiotic, moronic decision, that DM you responded to. You shouldn't have done it. But the conductor, this 11.30, but the conductor is still able if you let him, he's still able to get music out of it. Some of you don't even know some of the pain he's been using to get you here. You say, well, I don't see it. Don't feel like it. Have you ever noticed the conductor never shows his face? Until the end? So if you're gonna be in the orchestra, you better know how to trust the conductor's hand when you can't see his face. You better, you better have faith to know that even though I can't see his face, he's guiding me, he's, he's leading me. Oh, I haven't seen him, but I've seen his hand in my life. I, I've seen him make ways out of nowhere. I've, I've seen him open doors. I sometimes don't even have words to articulate it, but you can't tell me that the hand of the conductor has not been guiding my life and he wants to know can you trust him even when you can't see his face can you trust his hand I'm telling you the hands that reached down in dirt and formed man are the same hands that will guide and lead your life if you will surrender it to him. Paul begins Corinthians by letting us know that the conductor always had a plan, the mysterious plan that we don't even get to see unless he reveals it. It was hidden. He goes on to let us know that not only do you have to trust the mysterious plan of the great conductor, you have to know that the resurrection is the linchpin of our faith. This is what he tells the church of Corinth. The church of Corinth had bowed down to the philosophy of the culture. The Greek culture believed that the soul was trapped in the body and that death was the escape. So they refuted the notion of resurrection under the premise that to be resurrected would be the reincarceration of the soul in the body. 
So Paul is fighting against this theology and saying, yo, there's a lot of stuff we can debate about, but we can't debate about the resurrection. If Christ did not get up from the dead, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then we are wasting our time. If he did not get up from the dead, then we have no hope. If he didn't get up from the dead, then we have no life. If he didn't get up from the dead, we're wasting our time. The resurrection is a non-negotiable. To say you're a Christian and you don't believe in the resurrection be to say that you're a cardiologist and you don't believe in a heart because the resurrection is the heartbeat of our gospel yes he lived I'm so glad he died but the resurrection is the receipt I said everything he paid for on that cross was enough I'm not going to preach them, but I'm going to talk them. Three realities I want you to take on this Resurrection Sunday, because the resurrection changes everything. The first thing you have to understand is that the resurrection makes our faith valid. Our faith is valid because of the resurrection. Paul will go on in Corinthians to say, that Christ showed himself to several people, 500 at one time. There's proof. You don't believe it? Ask the people that saw him. The resurrection makes our faith valid. Second thing, keep playing, Sam. Make it sound real spiritual. Second thing that is a ramification of the resurrection, hear me, is that our fears are false. Come on, y'all. If he defeated death, if he defeated death, what do you have to be afraid of? If he truly conquered death, this is why Paul said, you can't stop me. To live is Christ. To, to die is gain. If you make me suffer, don't worry, because the conductor is even able to take my suffering, and he'll use it, and I'll have a far weight of glory. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be scared. Resurrection means our fears are false. False evidence appearing real. Fear. Last reality of the resurrection, hear me, is that forgiveness is available. No matter what you've done, no matter who you did it with, no matter how ratchet, no matter how ashamed, you are of it. There's forgiveness. I wish you could hear it for the first time, just like Lauren experiencing this service for the first time, that God so loved the world and He gave His only Son. Whosoever would believe in Him would not perish, but you can have everlasting life. It's not your record or your works, but the finished work of the great conductor and composer would you bow your heads with me worship team's going to join me we're going to end with the praise but I would be derelict in my duty as a preacher of the gospel if I did not give somebody an opportunity on this resurrection Sunday to come home 
because of the resurrection, hear me, your faith is valid. Because of the resurrection, your fears are false. And maybe something you're afraid of is so loud in your ear, you need to rehearse the reality of the resurrection. Because the truth is, we will live forever somewhere in eternity. But if he defeated death, what do you have to be afraid of? Forgiveness is available no matter what you have done. So with heads bowed and eyes closed today, I want to give somebody an opportunity, maybe watching online, to say, I need to come home and put my faith in this Savior. I'm asking you today, if your heart stopped beating in your chest, do you know where you would spend eternity? Because if you don't, you can have that assurance today. And here's the good news. Here's the good news. You don't have to get yourself together or clean yourself up. Having to perform to earn acceptance, that's religion. Relationship is a savior who lived the life you were supposed to live, died the death you were supposed to die, and out of a response to his finished work, you say, my life is yours. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you today and you say, Pastor Robert, would you include me in this closing prayer? I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Would you just lift up your hand high enough and long enough to where I can see it? Wow, thank you, Jesus. I see hands going up all over this place today. Thank you, God. Yeah, yeah. That's why you had to be here today. Come on, can we do me a favor? Can we all stand to our feet? Stand to our feet. I'm just going to ask everybody respect this moment. Nobody leave. The conductor is doing something right now. He's, he's bringing his children back home. Anybody else, lift your hand up. Say, that's me. I need to give him my life today. Thank you, God. That's why you had to be here. This was orchestrated. It was orchestrated. So here's what I'm going to ask. With heads bowed and eyes closed, we're going to pray this prayer as one big family. But especially those of you who lifted up your hands, would you say this from your heart? I'm going to give you the words. But you say it from your heart. Say, Jesus. Matter of fact, can we just lift up our hands? I love it because it's a sign of surrender to the great conductor. Yeah, say, Jesus. I need you. I cannot do life without you. You are the composer. You created me. You made me. But today, I surrender to you, the great conductor. You are my savior and you are my Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Make me brand new. From this moment forward, Wherever you lead, I will follow. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. If you meant what you prayed, would you give King Jesus the best praise that you got today? Come on, you could do better than that. We ought to thank God for all those people that just prayed that prayer and are coming home. One more thing just before we dismiss. I wish I could tell you, especially if you prayed that prayer, that from now on, everything's going to be perfect. Your car that's parked out there going to turn into a Tesla and Fiji water going to come out of your fountain. Everything will be great. I, I wish I could promise that. It, it might not. In fact, you might find yourself in a pit. But don't stop trusting and praising 
even in the pit. Trust the conductor. Even when you can't see his face, you can trust his hand. We would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website, socialdallas.online, and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world.